Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
song. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Ain't nobody gonna slow me down. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. Uh, we had a phenomenal show on Tuesday. Everything you could want in an episode. Um, the show just keeps evolving. We keep growing bigger and bigger. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors, and audience. You are absolutely amazing. The show is listened to in 25 countries and on 70 online platforms. Everybody, the weekend is approaching. I uh, hope wherever you are, everything is going accordingly. I hope you're uh, doing very well. Um, it's a very uh, interesting and dangerous and, uh, you know, a curious time in our country. I, I, will, I will tell you that. You know, uh, it's, I can't even believe uh, the headlines and the news and, and where our minds are at. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, 2020 has been nothing but a movie. I mean, perhaps the most violent, insane, out-of-the-ordinary movie I've ever seen. Um, guys, I will say this, though. You know, um, I want to say tonight is, in terms of guests, we probably have more guests tonight uh, than we've had in a long time. I'm really excited, though. We're going to be having former White House speechwriter and founder of National Tea Party Movement, Michael Johns, joining us. We'll also be having NYPD officer and president of Sergeant uh, Benevolent Association, Ed Mullins, business mogul and speaker, uh, Matt Sweetwood. Military legend Stephen Mitchell will be joining us. Founder of NLQ Report and American Conservative Movement, J.D. Rucker, will also uh, be on the panel, uh, along with so many other names, uh, president and founder, um, no, actually, investigative reporter, uh, Kevin Mooney. Uh, U.S. Congressional Candidate from Arizona, Josh Barnett, uh, political operative Corey Jones, doctor and talk show host Matthew Lloyd Collins, speaker and writer Sam Tully, and crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti, and also many, many more. It works. It's going to be a, uh, a giant, giant uh, uh, program uh, this evening. Uh, coming to you live, though, everybody, Phoenix, Arizona, uh, summer, 100 degrees. Uh, you know, uh, I... Um, I'm just beside myself, though. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over the place in terms of where my mind is, you know, because there's so many things that are so pivotal uh, in, our, in our, you know, media, you know, in our elections, in, in what's going on in the current climate. You know, it's, um, I, you know, I'm looking at, for instance, I'll give you an example. You know, this whole George Floyd thing, this has to drive everybody absolutely insane. It really does, because... Think about what for months, division, looting, rioting, violence, small businesses suffering, the economy closing, enabling criminals, all because the Minnesota Attorney General, Keith Ellison, didn't want to release the full footage. He wanted to do that 30-second clip just to provoke America. And, you know, it's not just Keith Ellison. It's all the elites. This was one of their huge tactics with, um, you know, going into the 2020 election. Because they, they know that the one ultimate thing that can divide anyone is race. We've been seeing it for the longest time. Go back in history. Look at, look at, the, dat, look at the data. Look at everything. I mean, you can't make this shit up. And all, I mean, how, how is this not criminal? How the hell are we not pissed off? I mean, look what we, I mean, people stuck inside, the devastation, 
suicides, divorces, um, depression. I mean, you name it. People going absolutely out of their minds because they have to deal with a communist fucking government, excuse my language, telling them how to live their every move. Just because of some jerk off, you know, now that I see the results, at first I felt bad for Floyd, but now that I see the full video actually happened, he asked to be put on the fucking ground because he was scared of being put in a car because he said he was claustrophobic. Bullshit, asshole. You know what? You were in that car. Your girlfriend on the video said comply with police. They said She said to obey orders, you know, stop resisting, and they gave you multiple chances. This video goes on for 15, about 15 minutes, I'd say, and you can see these cops being more than reasonable. And don't forget, George Floyd had all these different substances in his system. He did. It's not a secret. Fentanyl? I mean, I'm, what else? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with weed. I love weed, but, you know, that was in his system. Uh, other sort of pills. Um, I think some cocaine was in his system. Uh, he had a previous heart condition. Uh, there's, there's no way in hell um, that this cop is going to be charged. And I think they knew this all along, and I think that their plan, and, you know, you guys really have to put this together and see where I'm coming from in this whole situation, because if, if you look at the, the situation in its entirety, they knew that if they released a 30-second clip, that in the long run, when it goes to a courtroom, when it goes to uh, the rule of law, uh, there's going to be no evidence, you know, to back up that 30-second clip to charge this guy with murder. But, but here, 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 no, just here's the thing. They released the video, and now it basically clears the guy. But that 30-second clip made him look like he was a murderer, made, made it look like he was killing an innocent black guy. But that's not the facts. And we, we were stuck with this. Imagine how we could have um, succeeded and prevented all of these violent antics that have gone on day after day, uh, you know, these last few months, ever since this whole – bullshit rioting, Black Lives Matter narrative, you know, uh, went overboard, went like AWOL. And you know what's going to happen, and, and I want to say this. They planned this because I'll tell you what, they knew that once the full video came out, these politicians, that he's not going to get prosecuted. And they know once he does not get prosecuted, there's going to be more riots, there's going to be more division, there's going to be more violence, and that's exactly what they want. It plays right into their cards. This is what they're looking for. You're giving them their candy. You're giving them their desserts. George Soros and all these 1% white billionaires who are funding BLM are sitting back and laughing at you, dumb motherfuckers. Excuse my French. I know I'm, you know what? And there's no filter on this show. If it makes sense in a sentence, you can use the word. You can use the word. Absolutely. I encourage anybody who comes on my platform, if the F-bomb, you know, don't use it just to use it. But if you're so pissed off going on these rants, you know, dealing with these scenarios and what you have to, you know, endure as an American, I, I, I welcome it with open arms. You know, we need to set um, really a standard here, send a clear fucking message that, you know what, we have to, and it's sad. It really is sad because look at how this played out. You have it ruining sports. You have it on every single jersey and in the NBA. You have these homosexual, you know, assholes kneeling, you know, thinking that they're doing something, 
and, and, you know, nothing, nothing against, you know, nothing against, uh, you know, but I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just going off of, you know, um, what I see. I mean, these people are millionaires. They go back to their mansions at night. They drive their Lamborghinis. They drive their Ferraris. And, uh, you know, the kneeling is attention-seeking behavior. It's no different. Uh, only about, I would say, about 90% of those people that kneel don't do a damn thing for their community. All they are is talk, talk. All they are is noise, noise, noise. And, you know, they love to hear themselves fucking yap, yap, yap. And you just want to sock them in the fucking face because they speak Ebonics. They can't, you know what, they have no respect for authority. They want to say cops are pigs. You know what, I'm sick of these athletes. You know, if you really want to make a change, do it when nobody is noticing. Stop, stop doing it on the court, on national TV, just so you can get your name in the paper. I'm sick of you guys. And us Americans, everyday people, are supposed to listen to you fuckers? You guys are millionaires. I mean, you guys, have, you, you, are, you don't even know what oppression is, bro. And you're going to tell other people how to live their lives? Man, I mean, this should, this should make anybody furious. And I don't even want to watch the NBA. I don't want to watch Major League Baseball. They have every sport dominated by Black Lives Matter now. NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. And they're getting into NASCAR even, the most Republican sport to ever exist. Ball was actually uh, one of – and football too. I mean, but they take it over. These elites shoving it down our throat. This Marxist communist movement that is only dividing America. We don't even – you know, they don't, they don't want to look at people as humans. They want to put people in boxes, you know, say they're oppressed because of their color. Give me a break. We, I know so many rich black people. I know rich white people. I know poor black people. I know poor white people. You know, I mean, you really have to look at the entirety. I mean, no, nobody's white privilege. Nobody's black privilege. Nobody's Asian privilege. We're, you know, we're humans. We have our gifts. We have our flaws. We're all born in a certain way. Accept it. You know, and, and I wish the media would actually tell the truth. Because what, what these people are protesting, what they're putting on the table, what they're making people believe is that, you know, all these cops are, are, you know, going after innocent black people, which is so far from the truth. I mean, it's probably a less than 1% chance. And usually it's justified. It's justified because you know why? Because initially they only like it, like I said, with the George Floyd stuff. They like to review, they like to release the 30-second to get the, you know, the public wound up to have something to spin, and, you know, but once the facts come out, we see that these, a lot of these cops get off because there was no wrongdoing, but it's amazing how much power, how much manipulation, how much brainwashing the media has over the masses. I'm not going to say over them. I'm not going to say over majority, but over a lot of people, and I don't see the media talking about how much they were wrong. The liberal media refuses to release the full footage of what really happened. Instead, they're sticking to, oh, he was a victim. Yeah. Really? Even Fox News. You know, I hate Fox News. I'm done with Fox News. They refuse to air the entirety of the footage. And that, they're getting a lot of shit for that. They're like, why the hell? Who is running Fox News right now? I know Paul Ryan, the damn rhino, is on the board there. I know the Murdoch boys are, you know, uh, pretty much overseeing a lot of stuff because Rupert uh, is getting older. Uh, and the Murdoch boys donated to Biden. What the fight? Conflict of 
going on here? I'm dude. I mean, we want the truth. Nothing but the truth. And then, you know, I go on these rants because, I mean, this should, you look at what, I mean, everybody had to suffer because one dude pretty much cried wolf. Everybody in America, 40 million people unemployed because of George Floyd hoax. Because of a hoax. And then it's not about, let's just say, let's just go hypothetical, okay? Let's just say George Floyd was innocent. Let's just say that, you know, this cop really did kill him. How is looting, how is rioting, how is burning down churches and buildings fixing the situation? Is that justice for Floyd? You guys, I mean, this is a joke. And, And you know, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, and we really need to address this and point this out. Where's all that money that's being donated to Black Lives Matter going? Because I'll, I'll tell you what, it's not going to rebuilding the community. It's not going to rebuilding the, you know, the, uh, the, the crime rate. It's not going to these families that are in poverty. It's going to kitchens. Jesus. It's so frustrating, though, guys. It's so frustrating. You know, obviously, that's the main thing that I would, you know. I mean, and I keep watching the footage. And I'll tell you, you know, I, and I like to do stuff over and over just to make sure that I have a clear view of what's really going on. And, God, we were duped. We were all duped. Because I even said on my show months ago, I feel bad for this guy. But now I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude, from now on, no more 30-second videos, media. No more 30-second videos. Release it all or stick it up your ass. Seriously. Okay. Um, did anybody see this today? I'm about to get to everybody on the show, on the panel. We have a, a ton of people on the panel. See Joe Biden go on this talk show? I mean, first of all, he said a couple crazy things. I mean, I think this was yesterday, but they're, you know, they're releasing uh, more and more articles about it. But he, he said to the guy, uh, after he was asked about cognitive testing, he said, what, what, you know, that's like, or something, blah, blah, blah. That's like me asking you, if you're on cocaine, are you a junkie? And, I mean, I was like, did he just really say that? And just when, it, just when you think Biden can't go any further, he gets on there and says, black people are all alike and Hispanics are more smarter. I mean, can you alienate the black vote any more than an idiotic statement like that? I can't think of anything more racist. Imagine if Donald Trump said that. Imagine if Donald Trump made that sort of remark. Can you imagine the backlash? Can you imagine the crucifying that would, would, would come his way, it would be 24-7 breaking news. But Joe Biden, I mean, I don't know, you know, and I, and I thought it was funny for a long time, the way he would uh, go about things, but at this point, it's just sad. You know, and all these people around him, all they care about is power. There's no true friend, no true family member to step in there and say, look, Joe, uh, you know, we, we think you need some help. Because, I mean, you can't have a guy that he can't even count to four. He can't form a complete sentence. Can't remember which state he's in. Uh, you know, what wants to run on a narrative that's a failed uh, presidential agenda from Obama. I, I just don't. I mean, this, if this is <laughs> this is who the Democrats are trying to get across the finish line. But you know, I'm still not convinced. I think he may be replaced. He may be replaced at the very end. You know, I, I don't know that for sure. And you know, I. <laughs> you never know with the left. I mean, they're so tricky. They are so tricky. 
Cuomo could come in there at the end. You know, and, and you know, somebody came on my show recently and made a good point. Um, a very respectful individual, I think it was last week. He made a point saying Trump may waste a lot of this money on the Biden campaign. And then, you know, in the end or in a, in a month or two, they may see that Biden is not mentally there and they may uh, have no choice uh, but to uh, replace him. You know, so I, I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, you can't do these sort of interviews and act like this in front of the camera and then expect to be elected uh, president of the United States. You know, it's, it's out of control. Um, you know, in this whole voter thing, you know, I, I, I'm getting, you know, I want to get, I'm just a few more topics, a few more headlines. I want to get everybody's opinions. Um, I'm reading all about voter fraud, and I've told everybody this day in and day out, every second, that the only way, you know, if there is, if hell freezes over, if, if there is any sort of possibility that Biden has a chance, it's because of voter fraud. These Democrats are doing everything they can to push the mail-in ballot narrative. And let, let me remind people, you know, a lot of people tell me, well, Rory, what's the difference, or ask me, what's the difference between mail-in ballot or absentee ballot? Well, I'll tell you. A mail-in ballot is basically empty. You know, the Dell, and, you know, there's no security on it. Uh, an absentee is directed and um, addressed towards a certain individual. It, it's, a, it's always been a, pretty much a secure way, but mail-in ballots are all over the place. Anybody on the street could do a mail-in ballot. There's no structure in, in mail-in balloting. And, and all these different places in the last couple of weeks, whether it's New Jersey, whether it's California, I mean, I could go on and on where they found voter fraud on so many occasions. And we see mailmen, post office, a guy getting charged because he had, like, what, 30,000 uh, illegal fraudulent ballots on him? Absolutely out of control. I mean, this is, this, is not, this is not what America was founded upon. I mean, but Democrats know that their only chance of winning is cheating. They know that. Why do you think this is in the news every day? Oh, Trump. You know, and then they want to blame it on Trump. Oh, Trump's trying to push this agenda that voter fraud is, is bad for, for America and it, and it causes all these different, you know, problems in our election. But I, I, I can go back and look at tapes where there are Democrats saying that vote, mail-in, mail-in uh, ballots are a sham and a big problem. So, I mean, the hypocrisy and, you know, the, 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 all of a sudden the turn of events and, and their mindset changes just because – he talks about it, thing he does, they oppose, and they oppose strongly. You know, it's, it's out of control. I mean, it's craziness. It's craziness, craziness. I want to, you know, I have a lot more to obviously go into, but I want to welcome to the panel. We have writer and speaker, good friend of mine, Sam Tolk with us. Sam, how are you? Hey, Roy, how are you doing? Doing very well. How are you doing? What's going on? You know, doing I, very uh... well. Doing very well. I think I think actually Joe Biden becoming uh, one of uh, Black Republican conservatives best friends because oh, <laughs> I mean you know, every Sam every time he talk every time he talks he's giving us a gift he's giving us a, a oh, present yeah. I mean you know Bill Mitchell I don't know if anybody follows Bill Mitchell on Twitter but this guy's awesome 
he made a perfect point today. He said, if you thought if you thought Hillary was easy or giving us a, a big giant gift and present, Joe Biden's giving us Santa Claus on Sunday on on Christmas morning. I mean, this is like the greatest. This I mean, it's the greatest gift to Republicans. There's no doubt about it. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, he, it, it was amazing when I saw that clip um, where he was talking about how Hispanics are diverse, but you know, but blacks with the exception of a few notable exceptions, basically they think alike. And and yeah. the one thing that black Democrats can't, they hate, is to be called monolithic, even though they are monolithic. And so to remind them, and that just gave me more fuel for the fire that I like to light, to tell them, yeah, like Joe said, if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. So he, he wants you to think in that straight black, straight Democrat line thinking, which unfortunately many uh, do, but by by Joe exposing himself I and mean, excuse me exposing them constantly, I think it's going to help loosen up a few brain cells and and maybe turn some of those folks away from him. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I agree. And I'll tell you something, isn't it? It ha- you know, and, I, and I, I've been really I wanted to get your thoughts on this, and I'm sure you have a a high opinion, and I talked about this on my show the other day. You know, this whole Kanye West thing fascinates me. I am fascinated by it, and I'll tell you why. Um, Because, you know, we all realize that Donald Trump obviously has a a stronger appeal and and support system with, with the black community, Republican, in history. I think, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I think it's over 30% at this point. But there's also still a, quite a few, you know, black individuals that are not woken up, that are still, you know, jaded, stuck in their own ways. But they, but they also hate Biden. They, you know, they know him for the 94 crime bill, which locked up more blacks than any time in the history of politics. So what's their alternative? Oh, I know. Vote for Kanye West. And what does that do? Only helps Trump. Kanye West is doing this on purpose, and I think it's genius because it really sends a message saying we're not going to let Democrats control us. And if you look at how many ballots uh, Kanye has already gotten on, um, I can read them to you right now. That, and he keeps going like every week. Where is it? I have the list right here. Oh, Arkansas, Colorado, Illinois, Missouri, Ohio, Vermont, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Oklahoma. I mean, and this guy uh, – in a lot of ways, I mean, he's pretty much made it clear uh, that he's, you know, making sure that Biden doesn't get in there. Which, you know, if you look at how Kanye is respected, where he where he was brought up, you know, the hard the hard parts of Chicago, you know, um, you know, made, made it on his own. Arguably one of the arguably the greatest artists of his generation. I mean, many would debate that, uh, but he's. And, and the the funny fact about that is, even though he's perhaps the greatest of his generation, he's made more money in business. He's a billionaire with a B. But the media wants to call him crazy when it comes out and supports the Trump movement. You know what? It, it, it's just it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. I want to know your thoughts, though. I'm sure you're, you're thinking the same thing. I mean, it's a smart strategy. Well, actually, you know, what, what I thought is I have a friend that I grew up with. Uh, we've been friends since we were seven years old, but he is a hardcore liberal, and he's definitely voting for Biden. When he heard that Kanye uh, was running for president, he started yelling, don't fall for the Kanye, because all that is is trying to give votes to Trump. So 
mean, he's seen it off the top that, yeah, Kanye will help. If he takes votes from anyone, he'll be taking them from Biden, and he'll be getting it from younger people that are more impressionable. Uh, you know, Kanye said he gave his life to the Lord. I'm not one to question whether somebody has done that or not. Time will tell on that end. But uh, I don't see him taking votes from those of us that have been mature enough to understand what's going on as far as the Democrat and Republican and the conservative position. Kanye understands that the Democratic Party has been using black people for years. And I'm glad he woke up to it. And, yes, he doesn't need their money because he's made enough money of his own. But if he takes votes from anybody, it will be from Biden. And But I think Biden is doing a good enough job of that himself. You know, there's one thing I want to say. I, uh, I agree that Biden is destroying himself, but at the same time, I think dem- Democrats are, I mean, they're so dumb and they're so stuck in their own ways that they don't know any better. If they see a D next to it, they're going to vote for it. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're, there's Democrats uh, uh, lock, locked in the war. They're, you know, if it, was, if it was a dead goat and that was on, the only thing on the ballot, they would go ahead and vote for it. And that's unfortunate that you have people like that. And I agree also that we don't need write-in ballots. If people can run up and down the street and riot and, and protest and do all that stuff, they can stand in line and vote. So I, right. I, I think that every every effort should be made to bring people to the polls, whether they got to stand right. six feet apart and wear a mask or or not, you know, but, right. but, but going to the polls <laughs> should be this issue. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. No, I was saying they should go to the polls. Going to the polls should definitely be the issue, you know? You know yeah, you know what's scary? Time. I talked about this in my opening monologue, is I'm seeing all these reports. Like, for instance, one, a one in four vote by mail ballot were disqualified by New York City Democratic primary. It, you know, and, and there's all these different scenarios. Las Vegas, over 223,000 mail-in ballots bounced as undeliverable in a recent primary election. I mean, all these different signs are making me think that the Democrats are doing so many things behind the scenes. I mean, we see Trump just filed a lawsuit against Nevada because of this mail-in you know, ballot scheme. It's like it's not ending. I mean, and I'm probably going to read tomorrow that there's going to be more voter fraud in other areas. And we just had a, you know, a huge election night on Tuesday. Obviously, it was a good night for the most part for Republicans in many areas of, of the country. Um, but I'll, I'll just say I'm, you know, I'm nervous. I don't like that people can cheat. I don't like it. Well, I think that's probably one of the reasons uh, why we still have this um, pandemic issue as bad as it is when it comes to um, people that are not rioting, organizing. They want to keep, you know, they want to keep people out of schools. They want to keep people out of churches. But if you want to protest up and down the street, then that's okay. And, um, you know, I want to segue into that real quick because I was thinking about this doctor, these doctors on the front lines and this Dr. Simone Gold uh, who – organized with a bunch of other doctors in Washington, D.C., and put out that video of their conference that got banned by all the social media. I saw a clip of her talking to Glenn Beck, talking about the fact that in January, France had taken hydroxychloroquine, I'm sure I mispronounced it, removed it from its availability. 
talking about two months before Trump even mentioned the drug because she used to believe that it was it was a reflex on Trump mentioning the drug because everything else Trump mentioned the media goes against. But if they right. were trying to remove this the availability of this drug two months before, like she said, you always look at how is it going to profit someone. So it. it, it I mean, it, it seems like, and and then of course she also mentioned the fact that Fauci knew about the the benefits of this drug back in 2005. So we're, right. you know, it seems to me that they're using this situation to prepare to make money off of people's lives and not let people get healed when they could get healed, and at the same time, it will benefit the Democrats if they can keep folks. Scared and away from the polls, and uh, let's have the mail-in ballots. Right, all that stuff in conjunction, and you keep the economy shut down. You keep people from making money. You keep them locked up in the homes, and then you try to say it's Trump's fault, and then it, it helps build that 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 negative nirvana, and 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 this 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 feeling like we need to get away from this. But I would I wouldn't be surprised if. Come right after November, and especially if Biden were to win, everything would go back to normal. We would be healthy again and free to live a, a decent, uh, unmitigated life for a while till they come up with the next situation. Well, and, and I think you know what, Sam. I, I you know I I want I want to get to everybody on the panel, but I want to I want to tell you this, and I'm definitely going to get to you here uh, a little later in the show. But the last thing I want to tell you, uh, I read a poll today. And it said 81% of black Americans want to maintain or increase police presence in their neighborhoods. So I think a lot of black Americans are obviously waking up to the dangers of what they face. And it's not white people. It's black on black crime. That's 90% that's 90 of the problem. Let's face it. And I'm glad people are understanding. Well, I mean, let's, let's, let's be realistic about the situation. Uh, the the unfortunately the majority of the crime is in a poor or minority area. If you reduce the number of police, the police are going to take care number one their own families, which their families aren't going to be living in those areas if they can help it. The the rich people, the people with more money and influence, are going to get the protection, whether it's the police who live in those communities or or a private tutor. It's the minority communities, the ones that need it the most will suffer the most. And uh, so that is something, and and yes, I mean, most people want uh, law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, whatever bad law enforcement, they want to get rid of it. Everybody wants to get rid of that. But it's only a foolish person that wants anarchy. Or unless you're, of course, you want anarchy in order to destroy the, the government in order to build it up. But, you know, I'll go ahead and, uh, you know, just let you know right now, because I know you got a million people, I mean, not a million, but a lot of guests to get to how they can reach me in the meantime. So I can be reached at Samuel Polly on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and Parlor and my website, inhimfirst.com. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the show, see what else we get going on, and you know, let's take back this country. We, we we have to stay strong. We have to stay focused, and we can't let the dirty tricks of the Democrats discourage us. Everybody needs to be ready to go to the polls, and everybody needs to keep on fighting for what is true. Absolutely, absolutely. And Sam, uh, I always love having you on, having you on the show with us. It was it was a great time the other night. 
uh, at the Arpaio event, and uh, it looks like America's toughest sheriff, you know, he, it's still tied. He's still tied with Sheraton. We, we won't know anything for tomorrow, but uh, they still have like 50 yeah. or 60,000 ballots to count. So, I mean, everybody all over the country has been focusing on this sheriff race in Maricopa County because obviously Arpaio is, you know, is a very well-known name, first person pardoned by Trump. So it's drawing a lot of attention. And we've it's never really like, uh, seen we haven't seen an election this close in a long time. Yeah, it's crazy. Real crazy. We'll find out tomorrow, I hope. Yeah, I do too, man. We were supposed to find out Tuesday, but too close to call and you know, they've just they they're behind on ballots apparently, so it's gonna be interesting. But uh Sam, thank you All for right. joining us. Yeah, no problem. Take care, Roy. Absolutely. Um, I want to welcome to the show. We have crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti with us. C- Carlo, how are you, buddy? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good, my man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, man. What, what's what's new? What's going on with you? How what's the four one one? How's life? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we're all good here in Texas, and uh, we're not being too restricted. Oh, yeah. no, ain't nobody uh, messing with you in Texas. And and when they say Texas might go blue, I say bullshit. Texas will never go blue. If Texas goes blue, then hell froze over, and I'm leaving America because Texas is what is perhaps the most American state in the union. But go ahead. Sorry. Uh, oh, man. You know, you, you're not kidding. Uh, the patriots here are phenomenal. Most people uh, are pro-Trump here, uh, even in the liberal cities of Austin, Dallas, uh, Houston, and you, who would have thought here, uh, one of the birthplaces of our expansion of our country in Texas, the land of the Alamo, where they fought to the last man, who would have believed that anybody could think that they could turn blue uh, here in Texas? Uh, we're as red as can be, and it's not just from the heat. But you have a lot of people moving in from California, and they get told loud and clear, don't come here if you want to make this like California, because we all know California is a shithole. And Texas here, we are booming. We have more jobs, and we got people to handle. We got a great governor and Governor Abbott. Uh, He doesn't stand back from anything. He doesn't put up for any nonsense. you know, so if, if you want to get out of one of these liberal, ultra-liberal states, New York, Massachusetts, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, come on down here to Texas. But you come hey, down hey, here. I, hey, Carlo, I encourage that, too. But if you're a liberal, then don't bring your bull, then they shouldn't bring their bullshit with them. <laughs> Ex- exactly. If you don't like guns and people speaking their opinion to you, then you don't belong here. I'm not saying you got to own a gun if you live in Texas, but I'm telling you, uh, there's one city here in Texas, uh, the name escapes me offhand, but they've had four homicides per 100,000. It is the safest city in the world. Four homicides per 100,000. I, I mean, there's not many places that can say that. Uh, you know, Texas is awesome. We don't put up for the bullshit. And I haven't lived here long, but I've always 
felt ingrained here. Uh, my relatives lived here, and back in the 1800s, they were living into their 90s. They came from good stock. They worked hard, and I'm not saying some of them did die young. You know, they fought on both sides in the Revolution, I mean, the um, Civil War, and after it was over, they all came together. They got on with building a country, and they built Texas into one of the greatest states in the Union. Forget New York. Forget California. Forget Massachusetts. Uh, all these places, they can't hold a candle to Texas when it comes for people standing up for a state. Um, you know, Oklahoma isn't far behind. And I know Arizona, there's not a lot of people there um, who would disagree with what I just said. Uh, so, you know, come to right. Texas if you want to, but be a Texan. Be a true, true uh, citizen of this country, someone who cares about what's happening, who don't want illegal immigration. And I'll tell you, I know Arizona's got their problems, New Mexico, Texas, they all got it with these open border things. I'm telling you, if we don't vote Republican, Democrats get in, those walls will be torn down and they're going to flood across the border. Never to um, regain control. And sure. I'll tell you one way or the other, there's going to be civil war in this country. So oh, there is. Oh, there absolutely is. I mean, if we, you know, let, let, let's face the facts, Carlo. Uh, you know, we thought there was a war in 2016 when Trump won. Just wait till he's reelected. Wait till we see what the liberals do in the streets. I mean, they're going to start killing people. And you know what? We're going to, us conservatives are going to end this war really quickly once they really, once these people start getting violent and going to the extra extreme. I mean, they've already gone to that next level. But once they really do, they're going to get a real bad taste of reality. You know, there's too many mountain men. There's too many ex-warriors. There's too many hunters. There's too many people in this country that will, will not hesitate to stop what they're doing and band together uh, to take this country back. These people yeah. have no idea the size of the bear that they're poking with their finger. They oh, have so no true. idea. Uh, army of hundreds of army of hundreds of thousands of people, and these people—they're hunters, man. They know how to take care of themselves. They don't care if they got to leave, leave their house and live off the land in camps in the mountains or whatever. But I tell you, uh, if civil war breaks out, and if these riders don't uh, get their heads out of their ass, so to speak, they're gonna face a big, big mass of people that aren't going to put up for their nonsense. These governors and these mayors of these liberal states had better face it right now. We're not going to take it. Just like in that movie, uh, I forget the name of it, we're not going to take it anymore. And I don't think Trump's going to take it when he's reelected. And I say that with all the confidence. He will send in troops. And you know something? All of us Americans are great patriots. The cops, they go out and do their job every damn day, and they're spit yep. on, they're looked down on. Half the time they don't get any thanks. But you know something? We're all going to be there backing them up. And these people have a world of hurt coming towards them. 
I agree. I agree, Carlo. And Carlo, uh, you're you're a popular columnist and uh, best-selling author. Uh, people can find your work at cavazutticrime.com, and they can connect with you on social media. Uh, I know you're doing uh, a lot of amazing things right now. I'm really happy you could join us tonight. Stay with us. I, uh, I'm going to get back to you uh, because I, I'm going to go into more talking points here later on. So uh, glad you could be with us though tonight. Uh, well, thank you, Roy, for always asking me to be on the show. I appreciate it, and I'm going to sit back and listen now. All right. God bless you, man. Well, really, really happy to have you here. I want to welcome to the show. I believe we have with us U.S. congressional candidate from Arizona, a good friend of mine, uh, Josh Barnett. Uh, congratulations, buddy. You won your primary the other night. A huge step. I've been rooting for you for I, ever since I met you, I think, a year ago. Um, you know, I, I just I can't I can't say enough good things, and uh, this is really a, a dream come true, and it, it's a, it's a great uh, situation for America because we need individuals like you uh, protecting our president, and uh, we need to drain that swamp, my friend. We got a lot of work to do. Well, hey, thank you, Rory. I always I always have fun coming on here with you, and uh, we, you're right. We have a ton of work to do, and we have a ton of educating to do to uh, to the nation and to. Congressional District 7 here in Arizona is a an ill-informed, misinformed district, and we really have to educate the people on the issues. Yeah, and, and Josh, I mean, it, I'll tell you what. I mean, it's Arizona, the, fa- the fact that it's even considered, you know, I mean, look at, look at where we're at, Josh. I mean, we already have a Democratic senator. Uh, perhaps we'll have two Democratic senators. Because McSally's a weak candidate. She's a rhino. She's weak. She got beat by cinema. And uh, I think Mark Kelly's going to beat her. And we're going to have two Democrat U.S. senators for the first time in I don't know how long because we've always been known as a red state. I mean, Arizona has turned – I mean, it's sad, the, the, the events that we've had to endure and how our you know, political system has just been drained and thrown down the toilet. Well, we, we, we got to turn out. If we turn out our voters and, and get out there and vote, even if you don't like McSally, we have to turn out and we have to keep a, keep a Republican in that seat. Um, if we, I really believe if we turn out, we can keep it. And, you know, and also, you know, I was looking into that Sheriff Joe and Jerry race, and actually Jerry jumped up 4,000 votes on that last dump. So he pulled away a little bit here. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know what I mean? I still got more to go. And, uh, but I just yeah. checked it as you guys were talking about that. So, yeah, I know it's a close. But either race. way, I mean, we need to get we need to get Pence on out. Sorry, say it again. I said either way, we got to get Pence on out, right? Oh, we absolutely do. And, and I think I think Jerry is a very talented individual. I think Jerry is very well yeah. spoken. I think he has a, a great playbook. I, I, I think that he's on top of things. I think he, you know, I mean, look look at who he worked under. Look at who his boss was. He learned from America's exactly. type of sheriff. So, you know, I, I really yeah. think Jerry has uh, – and, you know, I was at the event the other night, and uh, Sam, Sam Tully's on the line with me. We were both there in, in Peoria, and I saw Jerry speak, and I was very impressed. You know, Jerry is sincere. He's genuine. Um, you know, it's an interesting race, though. You know, uh, you know, two, two people that used to work hip by hip are now uh, – going neck to neck you know what i mean yeah no and i think you know like you said i think jerry has a ton of experience you know 
I think a lot of people with his with being younger was a big thing with Sheriff Joe, and uh, with Jerry being younger, that was a uh, kind of a tipping point for a lot of people, I think. Um, you know, but yeah, Jerry has a ton of experience. He'll he'll do the right thing. He's a constitutionalist, and um, and that's that's what we need right now. You know, how it is in these day, this day and age. We need a true constitutional sheriff because this constitutional sheriff holds more power than a governor. You know, he could tell the feds to get out of out of Maricopa County. So we, we need some strong areas to stand up for us, you know, the people. Right. I agree. I agree. We, you know, we need to we need to support the nominee. We need to get rid of Penzo. Uh, he's a disgrace. Um, you know, and, and as I'm looking at, you know, your primary, I'm, I'm so proud of you, man. Uh, you're going to go up against the soy boy, Ruben Galago, whatever the, whatever the hell his last name is. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's a real jerk up, you know, don't, no disrespect to him, but, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you some of the things he, uh, you know, and, and tries to stand for and represent is uh, pretty third world. And from a guy, well, from a guy that was in the, from a guy that was in the military like him, you think he'd you know? know better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like his whole campaign is just, I hate Trump. That's his campaign, you know? And, yeah. uh, when we start talking about the actual issues, he has no solutions. If he did, he would have done something the last four years. Um, you know, in his, in his second term, he, he's uh, changed the name of a post office. You know, he has no ideas that aren't, that aren't just purely partisan, you know, and that's not how you do things or it's not how you get things done in uh, D.C. You can't go in there with purely partisan ideas and expect anything to get accomplished. But that's what he does, and he piggybacks off everybody else. And um, he has nothing – Nothing to offer. He has no new solutions to anything. And if I ever get a chance to debate him, we can talk to any issues, and I'm going to destroy him. Well, Josh, let me ask you about that. Where, where is that at in terms of, you know, getting negotiated? Have you guys had that talk? Have you guys gone down that road? Is he too scared? No, not yet. But I was planning on Rory Souter uh, reaching out and doing something. <laughs> I'd love it, man. Let's put it on the show, man. I would love that. I would love that. That, that would be awesome. Because you know what? I mean, if if this guy really is serious, I mean, I I just you keep he's he's a jokester. This guy's a clown. I mean, I, I'm looking at his, yeah. you know, everything that he's been involved with and been behind. You know, from a guy that come, like I said earlier, he comes from a military background, and he's portraying this whole communist movement. It's it's sick stuff, and and Josh, I, I can imagine that yeah. in your district, people are probably fed up with them. They're probably like, we want some fresh blood, we want some fresh, you know, yeah. faces. You know, yeah. you've been doing a lot of outreach. You've been getting a lot of good feedback. Uh, tell us about that, though. No, you're right. You're right. I have a ton of uh, ton of my Marine friends that that disown him. They can't stand him. You know, they they call him a commie, and they're done with him. And they'll never ever look his direction. And and that's that's coming from them. So I never speak on that. I let them speak on it for me. You know what I mean? And um and that's just how it is. And, and you know he he's a he's a, a left leaning. Um you know he, hell he supported Kamala Harris. He supported Swalwell. They all lost immediately, as far as dropping out of the presidential race. Now he's supporting Biden. I mean he's a true socialist, and everything he believes in is um not what's best for this country or or the CD seven. No, I agree. And what. Let me ask you, you know, your district, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not really familiar with CD7 that much. I mean, I kind of am. Uh-huh. I don't know the demographic voters 
is it more moderate? Is it more left leaning? I mean, what, what's the situation? It's it's um it's definitely um it's definitely it's been a Democrat district from day one. Um, no no Republicans ever run here. Um, actually, the last Republican to run here got ten thousand votes. I actually. Well, as of now, about 16,000 votes. I got about 6,000 more votes than any Republicans ever gotten in the primary in this district. So that's a good sign that we're getting a better turnout. Um, but how we win that district is, is uh, getting the independents to come, come out and support you. And, um, and that's what I plan on doing because I feel a lot of my policies and solutions are common sense based and, and, um, and are not far right. And, um, and I really believe that it's something that would intrigue somebody who's in the middle or somebody who is sick and tired of both parties, kind of like I am in a way. And, um, and that's something that, that we're going to build off of as we go. Right. And, and tell, tell everybody, you know, you, you put up a post the other day, Josh, and I, well, actually I think it was today and I screenshotted it and I thought it was fascinating. And I, I text, I, I sent you a text and I wanted you to talk about it. Uh, they were spying on Trump when he was a private citizen even Arpaio, Sheriff Joe, looked at this, and all these different people, I mean, well, not all these different people, but like Sheriff Joe, Mike Zolo, who I know, uh, you know, has worked with Sheriff Joe many times on the fake birth certificate of Obama's. But they came out and basically said that there was this guy that discovered that Trump was being spied on even before being president. Yeah, they, um, they actually had uh, some, uh, some dirt on Justice Roberts, it looks like. And um, this Timothy Blexeth, um is a real estate billionaire, had these tape, tapes released by federal judge uh, Murray Snow, I believe is his name. And um, they had the, showed the existence of the surveillance program that was corroborated by WikiLeaks. And, um, you know, this involved the CIA, NSA contractor, Dennis Montgomery, who says he worked on the program for Brendan and Clapper. You know, so... Brendan and Clapper have a lot of explaining to do, and I have a strong feeling that Nunes and, uh, and Graham are going to get all over this guy. Hopefully they get him in there and get him talking. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, all the stuff that's being revealed, every day, what yeah. we're finding out, I mean, yeah. all the stuff that's so, like, hidden. And, I mean, it, it, if it's not one thing, it's a million others. It's truly a deep state type thing. And um, thank God we got – president in there turning it all inside out and exposing it for what it is and uh, hopefully Durham does his job and, and, and prosecutes these people uh, properly but Josh let, let's say he doesn't let's just say he doesn't then what Josh then what do we do if there's no fucking in- honestly, excuse my French honestly, if there's no- yeah. then we should be curious we lo- right I mean honestly I feel we lose our constitutional republic I think we lose our nation because it's gonna give it's gonna be a free reign to anybody to go in there and weaponize the IRS, the FBI, the DOJ, the um, uh, the any anything any any three letter agency is gonna get weaponized against whoever they don't like, and this is a very scary time if, if if something is not done to hold these people accountable. And look at Sally Yates the other day. Look at what she confessed, saying that Joe Biden was in the meeting was in the meeting at the Oval <laughs> Office on Michael Flynn. Conflict of interest much? Yeah. Con- I, that's the perfect well, definition of conflict of interest. Joe Biden also said he didn't know anything about Michael Flynn, but he was the last person to try to unmask him back in 2017. 
He's a damn liar. He's a fool. And he should never be president of this country. Uh, I can't even believe what we're finding out. And did you, I mean, you saw that testimony the other day. I mean, this, this lady is a whack job. I mean, you know what? She can't, she says one thing and then it's, I can't even, I can't even put it together. I mean, this woman is out of control and making every sort of excuse and justification known to mankind, just like everybody else has testified. We need to hold these people accountable. No more political theater. Yes. And, and, you know, after Yates, after hearing her speak and someone Comey under the bus a little bit, I don't know how the hell Comey's not immediately arrested on the spot. This guy's as crooked as they come. Comey, Brennan, Clapper, Yates, Lynch, all these people, the Oars, they all need to go down. They're all guilty and they're all criminals. They, they, they had a coup attempt on a and that one person has been held accountable yet. And it's August. Right. It's the middle of August almost, and not one damn person has been held accountable after four years of this. It's insane. We should have, every, insane. We should have every right to know what happened in 2016 before we vote in 2020. I mean, we should have every detail of what happened before anybody casts a vote in this election. And, 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 and that has to happen. Yeah, and I look at and I look at everything that's going on, Josh, and, and, and you know this better than anybody. You know, our government does whatever they can to distract us. That's what their that's what their focus is. I mean, they wanna put so many different stories out there or so many different narratives so you know, they can do whatever they're doing behind the scenes. Meanwhile, we've gotta, uh-huh. you know, crack the code and fix the puzzle. I mean and, and you know, uh-huh. I'm seeing all various things. Whether it's tech censorship, whether it's you know, um, I mean, I'm going into all these different narratives. You know, you you are one of those people that has experienced tech censorship. I mean, they're trying to be president of the United States for telling the truth. They're trying to censor doctors. They're trying to give advice to save lives. Where does the line get drawn? Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. I mean, the stuff going on with COVID and, and the, the fraud that's going on, and then you know, then you have all the trafficking, the sex trafficking, the children being trafficked, um, stuff going on through Epstein and Nexium and everything. There's so much going on. But again, there hasn't been a ton of people held accountable, and until that happens, it's never going to stop. You know, we need we need a DOJ that's going there and cracking heads and arresting these people and taking them down. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, here's the thing. I like what Barr does. I like what he says. But I want action. I want Barr to really put it, you know, really have more balls yeah. and get out there and uh-huh. start indicting people. No, I, I agree. I, You know, enough of the talk. I'm tired of hearing it. I've been hearing it for three and a half, four years. I mean, my God, how long does yeah. it take to get to the bottom of something? It does not take freaking four years to do that. I know there's a lot of moving parts. I know there's a lot of a lot of things going on, but it does not take this long. They need to hold the people accountable, and the people. I'm telling you, there needs to be a civil uprising if it doesn't. And and Josh, I wanted to tell you this, and I talk about this on my show all the time, and I think it's very important that I address this as, as many times as possible. And it's always good to get as many opinions, uh, you know, as needed. But we really see how these elections are operated in today's society in terms of you know, where people get their information, where people pay their bills, where people you know, post 
social media. And when you have big tech giants who are manipulating those algor- algorithms and really putting, uh-huh. shoving stuff down our throats, I mean, it can really make a difference. I mean, this whole tech stuff, I mean, I build apps. I build tracking devices. I know all about the industry. I can tell you with 100% certainty the biggest threat to our civilization at this moment, especially with the most important election coming up in our lifetime, is big tech because they have every loophole yeah. in the entire yeah. world they can use. And when I hear politicians say, oh, we're going to hold them accountable, yeah, bullshit. They'll pay you off. They'll find some excuse. They'll keep dominating the world. They're not an American brand. They're a global brand. Well, they've been talking about Session 230 for like three years. They haven't done a damn thing about it. We need to get rid of Section 230. You're either, you know, you're either a platform or you're a publisher. You're not both. And this, this needs to stop. This insanity, this censorship needs to stop. And if they're not going to stop, then we need to drop the hammer on them. And um, no more talk. Again, it's no more talk. It's a no-talk situation. We need action. Yeah, and look at, dude, I mean, I mean, look at Josh, they're fact-checking, they're fact-checking anything conservatives say, but anything a liberal says doesn't matter, it's automatically true. I'm tired of the bias, Josh, I'm tired of it. Yeah, yeah, it's bad, it's really bad, and, um, and what's funny is these fact-checkers are wrong, the ones I've seen, they'll pick out like one little word and then say the entire thing's wrong because of one word, you know, and it's, it's ridiculous. No, it really is. It absolutely is. And, Josh, so tell us uh, what's coming up, what you're working on, what's new on the campaign. I know you're out there doing a lot of work. Well, today today I had an interview earlier with Great 48. We'll have that out. I have a, a two-hour interview with Dr. Richard Urso, who's one of the white, one of the doctors at the Supreme Court, one of the frontline doctors. We're going to have that out for people. A lot of great information. I was just out in Tempe here with Scott Pressler doing a cleanup and a voter registration thing here. Um, so went out there, hung out with him for a little bit, and now I'm in a meeting about how we can do something against child sex trafficking. So that's just in the last four hours. <laughs> so, um, dude, you know, dude, we got a lot of other I'll stuff coming you, up. You know, I love it. Josh, I love it. You know, and, and I'll tell you, you know, I follow, you know, your social media. You're always out there fighting the good fight, always out there doing amazing activism, uh, patriotic things for the mega Trump movement. Uh, and your days, your days are packed, man. I mean, you know, like you just said, the last four hours, I mean, you've, you've been all over the place. And I really like Scott, Scott Pressler. He's doing a lot of good things, getting people registered to vote, really waking up the Republicans. Yeah. And what he carries volume. I mean, this guy's a gay Republican, you know, that, I mean, they can't yeah. say anything. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, and oh, we also got three new gyms reopened, and maybe a group of thirty more gyms that'll be reopening here soon. So we're working with them on the private membership association, and um, we're out. My, my guy David Jose and I, we are out. We are out talking to everybody, and we're getting them all to switch to the private, so these governors can't touch us anymore. I mean, what, do, Josh? What do we do? I mean, let me ask you this. I think, I think this is a million dollar question. After all this bullshit, after everything we've gone through, is it going to be the new norm to shut down the economy every time a little small little virus, the same as the flu, hits America? I mean, come on. No, it, it can't happen. It, this can never happen again. It, it, it's absolutely, based on the numbers, 0.02% fatality rate for people under 70. 
it is absolutely ridiculous. The flu is point one. You put it in perspective. So what's going on is absolutely criminal. It's fraud, and it has uh, some NWO deep state type stuff written all over it. And this has happened all, all over the world. And Dr. Fauci's connections to the WHO and the NIH and the Obama administration has 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 criminality written all over it. I agree. I agree 100 uh, percent. Josh, I always love having you on with us. I tell everybody where they can connect with you, connect with the campaign, all that good stuff. Yeah, you can um, get on my website, barnettforaz.com, and I'm telling people, donate, donate, donate. We are, we are in the last, you know, really 60 days before because in Arizona we start voting 30 days out. So we need all the help we can get to get, to get my message and everything out so that people know that there's an option, a better option than Ruben Gallego. So go to barnettforaz.com, at barnettforaz on Twitter and Instagram, and Josh Barnett for Congress on Facebook. And um, definitely keep up with me if you, if you happen to be out here at an event. Make sure you come out, say hi, introduce yourself. And I love going out and meeting people and talking with everybody and, and, um, and hearing what their concerns are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it. I love it. And real quick before you go, what are your thoughts on the whole George Floyd thing? Probably drives you crazy that they didn't release the footage. for. <laughs> well, yeah, after seeing the whole video, I mean, obviously the context of what happened did change and it, uh, quite a bit for me. I think for a lot of people, um, you know, regardless of that, the cop didn't have to sit on his head like that or his neck, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but with that said, it did did change quite a bit the context and, and the fact that Ellison hid that from us. Again, I consider that criminal, um, you know. But we all know his background and what his son's into. It doesn't surprise me. And um, you know, anytime there's no transparency, there's always a reason why. You know what I mean? And uh, and like Richard Grinnell said tonight earlier on Hannity, transparency is what the deep state hates, you know, because that's what outs them, you know, and that's what Richard Grinnell did in the short time he's acting DNI. He outed these people by declassifying the bunker information. So I'm all about transparency, letting the truth out, then let the people decide. And uh, that the whole video definitely gave a whole different context of what happened with, in, in that particular event. I agree. I agree 100 uh, percent. Very, very well said, Josh. Um, stay with us if you can. Um, we got a lot more to get into. Uh, huge show tonight. Um, but, man, I'll tell you, I- I'm rooting for you. You're going to win. You're going to make Arizona great again. you got a lot to look forward to. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And I always have a good time with you. We'll definitely get together for coffee or something this week. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll make it happen, brother. God bless. Thank you, Roy. Absolutely. I want to go to uh, doctor and talk show host, I believe he's with us, uh, Matthew Lloyd Collins, good friend of mine, uh, doing a lot of uh, great activism work I'm down in Florida. Matthew, how are you, my friend? I'm well, Roy. How are you this evening? And welcome back from vacation. Thank you, man. Yeah, you were supposed to be with us last week. Um, you know, that, that's when I got back, but I, I know you had some stuff to do. Um, how's that? I did. Working on a lot of stuff. Oh, I'm working on quite a few things here. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and that's the fourth congressional district in the great state of Florida. And my good friend and colleague, Eric Aguilar, Dr. Eric Aguilar is running for Congress here. You just had a congressional winner of a primary, and Eric's hoping to win the primary here on 18 August. 
and he has been working very hard. And Dr. Eric Aguilar is celebrating with his wife because they have the arrival of their newest baby. His sixth child arrived just a few minutes ago, and he sent me a picture, and he's at it. He's at the hospital. He's going to take a little short break this evening, and then he'll be back on the campaign trail in the next day or so. And We've just been doing a lot of waving on the streets and a lot of volunteer action. And it's exciting to see a congressional campaign, a district-wide congressional campaign, and to see the citizenry really coming together, Rory, around the ideas of natural rights and the ideas of freedom and respecting our Constitution. So we're seeing an awakening among the citizenry, and I'm very excited about this. Well, Matthew, absolutely. And, you know, Matthew, you're a very genuine, authentic uh, individual. You know, uh, you and I have created a great friendship, and, uh, you know, you always bring great value to the show. And I'll tell you, man, you've, you've lived quite the life. You know, you were in law enforcement. You're a doctor. Uh, you're a political consultant. Um, you know, you're a, ja- you're a jack of all trades. <laughs> and master of one or two, I think. Roy, I wanted to share something with you tonight. I found a quote, and it's a quote that I think yeah. will surprise you and will certainly most – Make your listeners wake up and take notice. We really need to wake up at this point, America. Here's a quote. Quote, America is like a healthy body, and its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality, and it's spiritual life. If we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse within. Unquote. Rory, that was Joseph Stalin. That was a quote from Joseph Stalin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Look, I mean, think about that quote, uh, Matthew. I mean, that that probably resonates more now than ever before in our history with what the with what the left is trying to do. Absolutely. Joseph Stalin was a, a Georgian revolutionary, but he came to power as a Soviet politician. He ruled the Soviet Union from the mid 1920s until his death in 1953, and he had a tremendous influence in the beginning stages of the Cold War. Yet the man who really ruled the Soviet Union during the Cold War was Nikita Khrushchev. If you guys remember Nikita Khrushchev, he really ruled after Stalin's death. Khrushchev came into power, and he ruled from 1953 onward until his death. But Khrushchev, too, had a quote. His quote was, the press is our chief ideological weapon, unquote. That's Nikita Khrushchev. So if you start to think about it, perhaps at the time of the Cold War, there could have been a Trojan horse inserted into the United States, and it was meant to develop a cancer from within. And that's exactly what Yuri Bezmenov has told us. There was a KGB agent who defected and later on made a series of videos, and they're still available on YouTube, by the way. You can see Bezmenov on YouTube. And he said there were four stages that would allow for the United States to be taken down from within by a Trojan horse, so to speak. And the first stage was demoralization. You have to demoralize the American people in order to begin this process, the four-step process of the takedown of America. So with demoralization, folks, it begins with a generation. And they started by inculcating people to believe Marxist narratives, class-type narratives, critical race theory narratives within our colleges and universities. And that spread and spread and spread. And now those people that have graduated with their degrees in the 70s, 80s, and 90s are running things. And they've all been inculcated to believe certain lies about themselves, about the country, and about reality in general. The second stage, 
destabilization. And I believe we came into destabilization about five or seven years ago. The stage of destabilization really puts the country's economy, foreign relations, and defense systems out of balance. It's a way of upsetting the nation and getting them ready for the third stage, which is crisis. And crisis comes when there's a major upheaval where everyone goes into fear. You're talking mass fear across the population. It's a cataclysmic event sometimes, Rory. It upsets and divides the country. It feels like the pandemic's being used that way a little bit and weaponized against the American citizenry. And then the fourth stage is normalization. After you go through demoralization, destabilization, crisis, you move into normalization. But the new normalization is enhanced bureaucratic administrative power of the technocrats or the plutocrats and diminishment of the power of the citizenry. So I think that's what we're experiencing here. And it's so interesting if you look at the work of Besmanov, Yuri Besmanov. I encourage your listeners to look him up online on YouTube because it's just fascinating that he was saying these very things in the 1980s and making such highly prescient predictions about how this would all go down, and it seems to have mirrored exactly what he was saying. Well, yeah, and, and you know, we, we see all these different examples of all these, you know, uh, jerk-offs from the past, all these socialists who have predicted, I mean, whether it was Stalinsky's playbook, whether it was uh, Orwell, I mean, I mean, we have all these different people that basically predicted 2020. I mean, they basically predicted how one party was going to take this satanic narrative to the whole nether level. Don't you agree? It does feel that way. It's very Orwellian. I call it the age of toxic tribalism. My new book is coming out September 1st. It's entitled Demystifying Masculinity. I do a lot of work in the North Florida jails and prisons. I teach yoga and meditation and other life skills courses to men in particular, younger guys that are coming in with longer sentences. And I often meet young men that are 18, 19, 20 years old. And after taking my courses and interacting with some of the teachers in the jail, they say, why were we never told these things? So after years of doing that type thing, that type of volunteer work, that service work, I wrote a book about all of the different ideas that came to me about why people get into these fixes in life where they end up doing stints in jail and prison. And it's, it's really no joke. So it's a book that helps raise healthy boys and men broken men. So that comes out September 1st out of Legacy Book Publishers in Winter Park, Florida. So I'm going to try to pump that a little bit because I'm excited about the book, Demystifying Masculinity. It's 47 years of my own life experience and lots of interviews with other men. And we discuss lots of ideas regarding Napoleon Hill and Earl Nightingale and things that we were taught about success manifestation in the last generation that seems to have been removed from the earth on this time, seemingly on purpose, Roy, to keep people just moving with the herd. Yeah. And, and Dr. Collins, I wanted to also bring up a point to you, you know, you've been on my show many times. Um, you know, you're, you're, you bring so much, you're a, a, a huge wealth of information. Um, you all, you talked about on several occasions, the fact that we need to really point out, how men's rights are at risk in this country. You know, we want to, all these people want to focus about women, 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 feminism, feminism, <laughs> one-dimensional, <laughs> a bunch of animals that uh, really don't know anything about reality. Um, but we don't, you know, they, they want to have this whole narrative where if you try to talk about men's rights, then you're a sexist. I mean, we really need to get that whole narrative out of the picture in terms of, you know, that, that you know, it, it's sexist to talk about men's rights. 
because we need to talk about men's rights. It's more important than ever. I say right now, men are more at risk than women will ever be. Men are the ones dealing with most of the problems. But for some reason, we just take men for granted and think that, you know, I mean, all the generalizations I see, it's disgusting. But you, you really fight um, hard on this issue and really combat uh, the epidemic that's going on. Absolutely so, and someone must. If you really think about the issues that beset men and boys right now, if you look at just the statistics alone, you'll say, oh, my goodness, why does 90% of our prison population have to be constituted by men and boys? It's one of those things where if you look at the number of police shootings, I mean, if there are 1,000 police shootings, 950 of those will be men and boys and you know, 50 are women. So it's a deal where men are, are much more likely to be shot by police officers than women, and whether you're an African-American male or Caucasian male or Hispanic matters little. And people don't understand the numbers of, of police shootings. There are nearly twice as many so-called Caucasian or white folks that are male that are shot each year above the number of African-American males that are shot. So people don't understand statistics well, but it gets into that idea of demoralization. There is a point with demoralization and destabilization, these phases we've gone through to undermine our nation, where facts no longer matter, Rory. It doesn't matter if I can show them national crime statistics from verifiable sources. None of that matters. What matters is what they read on a social media site or whatever types of ontological distortions they're receiving from the routers at night. I don't know how these ideas get into people's heads, but it seems to me that we could get back to an age of civil discourse and critical thinking if we were still teaching right. people to think critically. Right. And, and you know what I blame a lot of this on is political influence. I blame a lot of this bullshit, excuse my French, on political <laughs> ideology. I mean, I mean, let's face it. I mean, all these politicians power over all these people and, uh, you know, on the left, especially, I mean, the left can't think for themselves. They have to go watch CNN no. or MSNBNC uh, to get, uh, you know, an, an analysis, <laughs> but uh, I, I tell you what, it's it's out of control. And um, yes, Roy, being born with really, a penis can lead you into a perilous twisting. prison experience. Dr. I mean, just Collins, by having Dr. the Collins, wrong plumbing, they're, really. They're tw- Go ahead. Sorry. There are just many lessons that we need to be showing boys and bequeathing to boys and and young men as well. And we, these messages are being distorted because. You have to remember the extended familial unit once existed. Remember Little House on the Prairie when people lived together in extended families. You have the maternal grandparents, the paternal grandparents. Even then, if the parents separated, during even the early 1900s, you still had maternal and paternal folks there. You had a grandfather-father figure, someone else to help raise the children. They whittled all that down after World War II, and they said, okay, now we're all going to live in nuclear families. We're going to have a mom, a dad, and the children, and we're all going to work. You know, The mom and dad are going to go to work. And we've evolved from leave it to beaver. If you think of the leave it to beaver, remember Ward Cleaver and June Cleaver. That's how it was. And then, then the woman got a job. So it slowly has turned into the man has been banished from the home for the most part. There are public policy incentives that incentivize banishment of the male figure from the home, and they provide financial incentives, of course. And then what happens is you have the women having to go to work still, and now we have just electronics raising the children. And that's really what's happened to this generation. And, and some of it is about technology. If you really think about it, the rapidity of technological change has been so yep. overwhelming. I don't believe that we've done a great job of keeping up with enhancing our own spiritual evolution and our own collective understanding of how things work. We've just allowed technology to 
be such a distraction now that people really don't learn much. If we took the computers and the phones away, Rory, I don't think people could read a map today, these young generation Z folks. So we've enfeebled people through technology and with not a, enough self-understanding. Well, I agree with you 100%. You know, technology has made things more complicated for people's psychosis and mentality, but it's also obviously for everyday life has become the most convenient thing we could ever ask for. So, I mean, it's kind of a two-way street, you know. A lot of things it is. complicate. Other ways, it's the most convenient thing you could ever ask for. So that's where, you know, a happy medium is hard to come by because I feel like, you know, I mean, obviously it's the new norm, uh, but uh, we see, you know, all the issues that, uh, you know, and, and the power, and it's just with big tech. And, you know, it, it's, it's, a little, it's a little crazy. It is for sure. And like I said, well over 90% of the prison population is constituted by men and boys. And moreover, when it comes to, quote, death by law enforcement officers, unquote, 992 human souls were shot to death in 2018. Out of that number, 939 of those souls were boys and men. So it really is an issue for boys and men much more than it is for women. So you see all the protesters out there and the Antifa folks, and there are women out there, and they're screaming about women's rights. They're just repeating the old sound bites that their parents learned in college and that were fed to them. In reality, there are all types of programs for girls, and boys are being ignored in our society. And we will do this at our own peril. As society collapses from within, it will be because we've allowed Lord of the Flies 2.0. We have not taken taking care of the boys in society. It's so true. It's so true, Dr. Collins. Uh, very well said. Uh, stay with us. Um, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Matthew Lloyd Collins. You can also find my podcast. I have a weekly podcast, The Dr. Matthew Lloyd Collins Show. You can find that on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, and other major podcast platforms. I love it. I love it. Matthew, uh, always love having you on the platform. Uh, you're a regular. You're a, you're a big part of the show, and uh, thank you for your insight. Stay with us, though. I'm going to get back to you before the show's over. I want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us right now. Uh, we have former White House speechwriter and founder of the National Tea Party Movement, very popular guy. You can look him up anywhere. Michael Johns. This guy is one bad dude. I'll tell you, he's a Beyond impressive. Uh, the life he's led, I could only, you know, in a lot of ways aspire to. He's been around everybody you could ever think of. Michael, welcome back. I know you're doing a lot of amazing things in the world, in our country, fighting for 2020. Give us the 411. What's new, my friend? Thank, thank you, Rory. Nice to, nice to talk with you again. Um, the 411, well, you know, the 30,000-foot view is the most important starting point. The fact that... Um, we are entering the political season here. Um, I think, you know, really more than any, any singular uh, thing, we need to make sure this president is reelected. Um, he has, yep. I think, a very solid track record to run on. He's going through yep. just a number of the accomplishments, just extraordinary accomplishments that he had had up until our entire uh, world sort of uh, spun upside down here a few months ago with um, the um, – China-based coronavirus and, of course, the street riots, both of which I think have taken on a strong political dimension. Um, On the congressional level, I mean, just a bunch of uh, dynamic, exciting, and largely Tea Party-inspired candidates uh, running. I think it's uh, an intriguing 
political moment where we have, I think, a, a Republican Party base, a conservative base, and um, independents who are looking for forceful leadership. I think there's just an extraordinary lack of patience, really, I think, with Washington. And I assume you could apply that to the views of the far left as well. I think they've lost patience. Um, there's significant uh, challenges that we're confronting. I think the, perce- the perception is that um, we've been sending people down there for too long who really haven't taken the job seriously enough, have sort of forgotten their role in all of this, of, of being public servants. And um, the result is that, you know, we're, we're talking about some of the same issues that we were talking about when I first got into uh, uh, both the Republican Party and the conservative movement in my uh, late teens at the University of Miami. I mean, it's uh, a lot of these debates are, are the same and they're ongoing. Um, you know, the only real things that have changed have been the emergence of technology, the impact that's having, positive and negative, and obviously the end of the Cold War. No, I agree. I agree. And, and Michael, I mean, you know, you you've lived you've lived the life. You you know what the life is like. You know what how these people go about uh, daily operations in terms of the D.C. swamp. And here's I think here's the million dollar question. And you know, I I know there's no simple answer for this, and I get that. But how do we get rid of these snakes? I mean, 100%. I mean, I find it hard to believe that we could ever erase them in the entirety, but I think Trump's done a pretty good job. But they obviously still exist. We need to get all these jerk-offs out of there. I mean, it's years and years of pile-up of just corruption. And we're every day we're seeing more and more revelations of things that, you know, we never even had a clue about. And if the FBI and the CIA is guilty of, you know, one of these things of, for instance, spying on the Trump campaign, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, they're guilty of millions of others. We just happen to found out, find out about that. I mean, this is a really scary time. Don't you agree? No, it is. It's what's frightening, I think, is that um, I, you know, I, was a, I endorsed this president on day one. June 16, 2015. I still remember the exact day. And one of the many... Trump Tower. Yeah, and one of the main reasons I did it... um, Well, I guess there were two primary reasons. Uh, One was that I felt the issues that he was bringing up were ones that had been ignored for 30 years easily and were being ignored by his Republican competitors. They were paying lip service to some of them, but they didn't really have an aggressive plan behind it. But the other thing I felt was this whole drain the swamp uh, philosophy, the idea that we would change the way Washington works um, was essential. Meaning, you know, for those who had been through kind of the, you know, the Bush 43 era and didn't see a whole lot of real fundamental advancements of the, of the conservative agenda. Um, and, you know, and for those who looked at the even the Republican Congress and some of the timidity that they saw out of Paul Ryan and, and, and others, um, the perception was this guy was going to really shake some things up. And I think, Unfortunately, and I don't say this in any disparaging way about him, but he got down there, and I think he was put in this position immediately of putting Reince Priebus in that chief of staff job. And as soon as I saw that, 
I had a bad feeling about the personnel front. And a lot of those two first two years, which were really the most important two years, because he had control, as you well know, of the House and Senate, nothing he couldn't have potentially done. He was, they, you know, they really, you know, this, it was really the best evidence we have had to date that the swamp is bipartisan. The swamp is in both parties. And the Republican part of that swamp really urged some restraint on his end on some things like the wall, for instance, which should have been day one initiatives. And I look at a lot of these personnel, and we don't have to get into all the names, but you know, we, you know who we're talking about, and 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 it goes deep of these personnel that should have been cleared out on day one. And I think if you're a friend of the president, and I'm a friend of the president, I am behind this president. The message you've got to be one of the messages you got to be sending right now is, uh, as much as it would have been easier to do a lot of that work at the very beginning than it is to do now, you have got to get loyal people into these jobs. The two qualities you want are loyalty to the agenda and to the president, and the other being the uh, competency in their respective functions. And those people are around. Um, and uh, and I think you know we've got a, a good chief of staff now in Mark Meadows. He's a Tea Party conservative. I mean, Mike Pompeo, Tea Party conservative. I'm impressed with the fact that I think we're starting to get some people in positions of major authority. You know, over three years into this administration, who can begin to drain the swamp if that's their intention. But it, you know, it takes an army, and that's always been my position, having worked in D.C. For, for over a decade in almost every capacity you can imagine and having worked in the grassroots, I've really come to the conclusion that you can get a lot more done in the grassroots, you know, which is why all of this work is being done, including the work you're doing and communicating the message and highlighting some of the people doing great things within our movement is so important because if we can't all work together in a collective collaborative way, um, then we're just a bunch of people out there, you know, writing books and giving university uh, lectures and, you know, uh, it, we're wasting time. I mean, it's, there has to be on our side a collective, um, we're all in this together. Here's what we're going to do. Let's go do it. We all work together. And um, and, and you've got to have a broad range of skill sets and personalities behind all of that. You know, and this is where I think we felt have fallen short for the most part is that when we get into the actual tactics of politics of how you get things done, how you win or lose, I think we 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 are so far ahead in having the best ideas from a policy standpoint, ideas that have worked, ideas that are proven, innovative ideas. But you know, when it comes to the tactics of getting things done, um, sometimes we lack the guts, and we certainly lack that important attribute that I'm trying to point to, which is collaboration, is that, you know, if you're a conservative and supporting this president and I'm a conservative and I'm supporting this president, you know, and we all got to be in this together, communicating and, and uh, coordinating our, our um, work and our efforts. And when you do that, you're successful. And that's one of the reasons we're facing this major challenge from the far left in the streets today. It's not that their message is appealing. I don't, I don't think that's working. Their tactics certainly are not only not appealing, they're repulsive, um, but they are feared. They are feared. And, you know, even feared by these Democrat mayors. Um, 
which is one of the reasons we've got this sort of dilemma. Well, our side needs to be not just the side of, of great ideas, but we've got to be also a side of, of having uh, ways to get things done. And unfortunately, we've got way too many people operating individually, in my view, for us to be truly effective. That's one of the I things agree. that we can fix between now and the election. And I, you know, uh, I used to always sort of chuckle when I would hear about the Republican Party's uh, ground game, because I'm as involved as anybody in this, as you know, and almost nobody hears from the Republican Party unless they're asking for money. You know, and, and I will say, like, this 2020 race, I'm starting to see, like, at least in the Trump campaign, more personnel that actually are out there. But now are they actually reaching out? Are they actually building relationships um, are they actually you know, putting together a plan that's going to be crucial? And, and 2016, this is going to come down to a few states, you know. I very agree. difficult to I see agree. it happening without Florida. Very difficult to see it happening without Pennsylvania. I'll just no, start I with agree. Those two. I agree. This, this is, Michael, Michael, this is the most important election of our lifetime. I mean, everything depends on it. Uh, I love having you on the show with us. Uh, Michael, t- uh, stay with us if you can, uh, but tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, and get, in- get involved, all that good stuff. Okay, I'm on the big three, Twitter, at uh, my, my name, one word, Michael Johns. Um, on Facebook, Michael Johns Tea Party. And on YouTube, Michael Johns. And um, good to talk with you again, Rory. Keep up the good work. And uh, let's push hard here these next few months. I love it. I love it, Michael. Um, all, I always love having you with us. We need to get you on here more often. Let's make you more of a regular. Let's try to get you on on a weekly basis because I really love your insight. Look forward to it. Lots to, lots to talk about. Didn't even get into much of the content. <laughs> I'm saying keep your spirits up. I think we're gonna. I think we have a very good chance of taking this country back. It's going to take an effort. And I think people are awakening to that, the fact that uh, that old line that Reagan said about freedom not being passed, you know, through the blood uh, to the next generation is true. Uh, We're going to have to, you know, be diligent and assertive and committed to victory. And it's going to take a lot of people working together. And that's my focus. No, I agree. I absolutely agree 100 percent. Michael, stay with us if you can. Um, a lot more big big guests and big stuff to talk about in the show. Um, I still want to get to you at the end. Uh, but, everybody, I want, I want to introduce to you right now, we have military legend with us, uh, Stephen Mitchell. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the Rory Sider Show. How are you, man? Hey, thank you, Rory. I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Uh, you've had Steven? some great guests so far and a, and a great show. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you, buddy, and I really appreciate your kind words, your first time on the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You've had quite the, quite the life, impressive resume. Oh, thank you. I, uh, I spent uh, – I, I enlisted in the Army in, at 19. I, I, I was enlisted for six years. I went to officer candidate school, uh, got commissioned, and then did another 26 years of commission service. So I uh, came in as a private and retired as a full bird colonel. Uh, something that's not on, on my online stuff on purpose is that at that point in 2005, when I retired, I went to work for one of the country's top five defense contractors and uh, and was an executive for them. I didn't put that on my online accounts, uh, obviously because of the cancel culture. 
uh, and uh, and I didn't want my my opinions linked back to the company. Anyway, I retired from that company uh, at the end of July on the 31st. So I feel much freer about putting myself out there at this point uh, than I have ever up to this point. Uh, so I, I, I'm on Twitter and uh, I'm on Parler and I, I, I do everything I can on those platforms to get this president reelected. I don't think this is the most important election that we've had since 1860. Uh, in 1860, the country was divided like it's divided now, and you had families divided on different sides, uh, north and south, and it's it's the same way now. And and we had a good chance of losing the greatest experiment of mankind in 1860, and we've got a, a great chance of losing it now if we don't stand up and get a lot of patriots out there that believe that they'd rather live free or die and, uh, and, and put themselves into this thing to get this president reelected retake the House, and retake the Senate, and keep the Senate. No, I agree, absolutely. And, I, you know, I went into this in my opening monologue, you know, earlier in the show. You know, I, I said, you know, and I went on a rant, and I said, you know, we thought 2016 was the most important, but in reality, 2020 is absolutely the most uh, pivotal election of our lifetime because it's going to dictate the many uh, future uh, times to come. I mean, it, this is going to really, uh, go, it, it, it absolutely, it's crazy. I mean, if Joe Biden gets in there, can, we can only imagine, you know, you know what it's, you know it's going to be like. I mean, he's not going to do a damn thing. It's going to be Obama controlling everything behind the scenes. It would just be the biggest slap in the face to the country uh, ever possible, and, and and I know that you know you you can only you can you know the same thing. I mean that's I'm sure you uh, you know obviously can tell that Biden uh, is not going to be doing anything except sleeping all day. I mean this is this is a disgrace. I mean you think the Democrats would have some sort of stronger candidate, you know? Yeah, but but what you're seeing in all the craziness in this country is their desperation. You know, yeah. and and not just the country, but the world. You know, the you know America is what stands in the way of globalism, uh, and and what's keeping America in the way of globalism is Donald Trump, and and the American people that support him. And if if they can remove him, then they've got all their obstacles out of their way. So I I don't believe in you know accidents and coincidences. I think all the stuff that we've seen go crazy in 2020 was planned by some very evil and devious people to try to take this president down and to, and to, you know, take over America. And we have, we can't let that happen. We have to, in fact, give them a rebuke that is loud and clear in November, a massive response. And I think we will, I'm seeing a lot of evidence of that. You know, I'm, you know, you're seeing evidence of that in, in 2016, he only got 8% of the black vote. Uh, he's polling as high as 40% in that community now. And so there's there's a lot out there, that, uh, a lot of good signs out there that this may actually, and everybody keeps saying it's going to be a close election, but I'm not convinced, uh, and I'm praying that it's not a close election, that it's actually an overwhelming landslide for Donald Trump. And what you see on the other side is chaos. It's got to be Donald Trump. So, Stephen, tell me about this, because you spent a lot of time overseas, and you know, you know the war playbook, you know the, you know, the, the military experience, you, you have all this kind of, you know, 
you know, you know it better than anyone. I mean, let's face the fact. How do you see foreign relations? I mean, who do you see as the biggest threat right now in terms of, you know, obviously Trump has made a lot of good peace um, talks, and you know, we saw him calm down and totally, in a lot of ways, relax North Korea. I mean, they're, they're not threatening us nearly. Uh, to the extent that they were when Obama was in office, same, same sort of thing with Iran. I mean, but in reality, you still got some of these countries. I mean, at times they still like to hear themselves talk. But who? What do you think? I mean, Trump has had so many opportunities. You know what I love about him? He's had so many opportunities that he could have got us into a war. But that's the last thing on his mind. That's not his priority. He wants to be the, make that the last resort. Unlike people like you know. I, Bush, you know, I mean, we we'll look at it. The first thing he jumped on was war. I mean, I don't want innocent lives dying. I mean, if we have to go to war, then I'm all for that. I'm a very conservative guy, but I, I just don't like to be a, a neocon, uh, you know, uh, kind of guy. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. Now, the greatest threat out there to the United States clearly is China. That, and I and they I think they're behind but no, in financing yeah, Stephen, a, a lot of this Stephen, stuff that's going real on. Real quick, Stephen, real quick before you continue, and, and I I said that from day one. And here's my thoughts: How the hell do we go to war with China when they've got so much power and money and influence on our country? That's what I want to know. Sorry though, go ahead. No, well, we're in a very bad place with them, and I and I think it's, this this whole pandemic has brought that to light. We're most of our medicines were made over there. A whole lot of our supply chain is moving over there. Uh, they have they have made us very very vulnerable, and the president is trying to correct that and bring that supply chain back here as quickly as he can. I deal with Kodak to make uh, drugs again was was a great deal that went on a couple of weeks ago. So you know he, he's moving in that direction, but they they are absolutely the biggest threat to this nation, and they. I I think they're behind a lot of this chaos. I think you're they're seeing China fund a lot of the riots and things that are going on. All these paid demonstrators are getting money from somewhere, and I don't think it's just Soros. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you, you can't deny that. I mean, they're getting it in all different places. I mean, whether it's – I think a lot of it's coming from China, to believe it or not. It, you know, we look at how, 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 how funded and how powerful and how rich these politicians become in D.C. because of Chinese donations – and let's go back uh, into the universities. Look at all the universities that get all this money from China to, uh, you know, whether they're stealing information, whether they're uh, trying to influence their ideology, which is third world. I mean, it goes on and on. The list of friends. Absolutely. So what you got, what you got in this election, obviously the Democrats will be big, big losers. And, but the other big losers in this election, if Donald Trump wins, and I think he will, is going to be China. And so they are doing everything they can to prevent that. If you don't think they're throwing in on Joe Biden's side with all they got, you're, 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 oh, just, yeah. not, you're just not watching. Oh, it's so true. I mean, they, they, would lo- they would love nothing more than to vote for Joe Biden. I mean, that's what they want because they can take advantage. They know they can manipulate him with money. You know, Trump, they can't do that. Trump has all the money in the world. Trump doesn't need any more money. And uh, Trump did right. this, you know, as a favor to save uh, Western civilization. And I'll tell you what, because uh, he had the best life anybody could ever ask for. And uh, he decided to give that up uh, to take nothing but uh, punches every day from the media. 
right. I, you know, my, that's what my twin, my pinned tweet on Twitter says. I've, I, I've had it, the same one there since I opened my account. Uh, you know, thanking God for Donald, Donald Trump and leaving this billionaire lifestyle to come and do what he's done for this country. It's so true. It's so true, man. Um, Steven, so tell me this. Um, what what do you think about the people that are influencing Trump at this point? I mean, obviously he's got rid of John Bolton. He's got rid of Mattis. He's got rid of various people. Uh, I think for good reasons. I think you could probably agree with that because a lot of these people are part of the swamp. They're part of the war culture. I mean, their whole mindset is just blowing up nations. I mean, they don't really want to have talks like Trump does. I mean, Trump's first, you know, priority is, is sitting down, having a conversation, seeing where we can, uh, you know, fix things. But these guys, like Bolton and Mattis, the first thing that comes to their mind is, let's blow these fuckers up. Excuse my French, but it's true. Go ahead, though. I, I want to get yeah. you back. Yeah, I was, uh, I was terribly disappointed in Mattis and, and, and you know, particularly some of his recent comments. Uh you know, he's somebody that, uh, you know, earlier I had some amount of, you know, degree of respect for, and it's blown it with me. I used to think he was fantastic until he slandered the president, he, he went after him, and then he made money on a book deal with lies. It's so wrong, Stephen. Absolutely. No, I, 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 I agree. It is. It's, and it's really sad. Now, who he surrounds himself with is very important. And I wish he would surround himself with more people that, that he picked for the reasons Michael John said earlier. Uh, you know, the first one being loyalty and, and a complete buy-in to his policies in America First. You know, nobody should go to work for this president that does not support what he campaigned on and got elected on and, and be a part of his cabinet or any, you know, any other appointed position that's working to support him in the government. Nobody should should do that. If they, you know, if you, I, I just can't believe these guys like John Bolton that take positions. You know what he got elected on? He was elected. You weren't, and uh, and the American people elected him because this is what he said he was going to do. So you've got to be bought into that and believe in that just as much as the president does, or should be, in order to serve him. And uh, it, you know, it just bothers me that there's not more people like Michael Johnson. There's a lot of us out here. You know, I you know if I got a call to go do anything for him, I'd go do it, very loyally. And I'm sure that there's many, many, many more like that out there. I just you know, the, the Democrats are really good at this. Bill Clinton comes in and he fires 92 uh, AGs, or at, you know the uh, DOJs out there across the states when he comes in right off the bat, 92 of them, and. Uh, you know, Trump comes in there and he keeps all the Obama appointees and tries to keep working with them and make it work. I, I think the Democrats have, have the thought right. You know, if you're going to have guys in these key positions, you need to have guys that are loyal to you and, and want to, and you know, advance the cause that you were elected for. No, I agree. I agree. I agree 100 uh, percent. Stephen, I love having you on this show. Uh, let's make you a weekly regular if you're down for it. I'd love to keep having you on. You're, you're, uh, I mean, you're on top of things perfectly. I mean, I, I love talking to you. Uh, i, I got to get to the other guests on the panel, but tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, all that good stuff. You bet, Rory. So, I'm, you know, my two main social medias is Twitter and Parler. Uh, so I'm on, I'm on Twitter 
My ad is COL for Colonel SDM. That's my initials. Uh, so I, I've the same thing on Parlor COL for Colonel SDM. So you can find I me in a place and you follow me and I'll follow you back. I love it. I love it. Stay with us if you can. We've still got a great big show to get into. Um, I love having you on here, though. Uh, thank, thank you so much, Sharon, and, and God bless you for your service. I mean, you guys are the real heroes. You guys really are. Thank you, Roy. Great show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us right now, we have um, talk show host, uh, founder of the NOQ Report and American Conservative Movement, uh, J.D. Rucker. J.D., how are you? Rory, I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing very good, J.D. What's going on, buddy? Not much. You know, you didn't mention the the big push right now is for FreedomFirstNetwork.com, where I do believe your show should be a part of. It's a series of podcasts, video shows. It's uh, we're trying to get patriots out there who want to make America great again. Bring them together and let's let's just work as a unit to to kick some butt in November and beyond. Amen. No, I agree. I agree, one hundred percent. And um, you know these these networks are really making a a uh, significant change and, and a strong difference and really waking people up in, in various uh, political communities because they can't really count on the mainstream anymore. Too many lies, too many fabrications, too much bullshit going on. You know, they, they go to all these independent sources where they can actually get uh, the, uh, the real information rather than, you know, uh, fake, uh, fake sources. No, absolutely. It's, and this is where it should have always been. You know, let's face it, journalism is really about you know, being the voice of the people. And once we started noticing the mainstream media across the board was being owned by corporate America, I'm not against corporations. I'm not against making money. I'm not against capitalism. But when you have control right. based upon biases and ideology, you need to go back to the people. The people need to be the journalists, and that's what we're trying to do. Oh, it's so true. It's so, it's so true, J.D. It's absolutely true. And, J.D., why, you know, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to ask why, because we all know why the mainstream media does what they do. I mean, let's face the fact, they're owned by some of the richest billionaires, which tell them what to say, what not to say, what narrative to spew, what things to push. You know, it's not about telling people the facts. It's basically writing a fictional story that your sheep can relate to and get, uh, you know, a high on in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. There was a, a post two or three days ago in the Washington Post. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not, this is not hyperbole when I said, I guarantee you, this was written directly by the Chinese Communist Party. Okay. It was, a, it was not just a puff piece. It basically was insinuating that everyone in China loves the Chinese Communist Party that everyone in America hates the American government, and that if, if Amer- America is starting to wake up to the idea that maybe communism is the right way to go. This is the Washington Post who is saying this. Okay, This isn't some left-wing blog. This is the Washington Post, their Beijing editor, coming out and saying America should really look at what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. Look what they did with that pandemic. My gosh, they've only had 85,000 85, cases in in China, since the whole pandemic started, we have more than that every two days. This is their narrative. This yeah. is the Washington Post. How can we possibly 
trust anyone in mainstream media. They're not just owned by the billionaires. They're not just owned by the corporations. They are owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Guaranteed. Well, there's no doubt about it. And we have to face the facts here that, you know, we're living in a time where you have foreign cultures own these newspapers in America. And that's, I, that should terrify anyone because when you have all that money being thrown at you from a foreign entity, uh, you're not going to say no, whether it's true or not. I mean, it, they're going to tell you, like mob mentality, what to put in, that, in those papers. I mean, you know what? It's not, it's, there's, journalism is dead. It was dead a long time ago, and it's scary. It really is because too much mind manipulation, I and mean, we can't get the facts out there. Trump has to go on Twitter to, to resignate and get through to the people. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that he is. And it's funny because people are saying, you know, oh, I wish President Trump wouldn't tweet so much. What choice does he have? You know, he doesn't have a choice. If he just lets the media tell his story, they're not going to tell his story. We've, they've already demonstrated that. So as much I was, hey, I'll admit it. In the early days, I was like, oh, man, I wish he wouldn't have tweeted this. I wish he wouldn't have tweeted that. At this point, my goodness, if he spent half of his day on Twitter, okay, he's sitting there in meetings and he's tweeting out to us, at least we're getting communication. At least we're getting to see his side of what's happening and whether some of it's bombastic. Maybe some of it might even hurt his, his campaign. So be it. At least he's telling us what's really happening. No other president has done that in our history. And I would be shocked if any other president does that in the future. They love to hide behind the media. They love to, to hide behind the narrative created on their behalf. Even George W. Bush, you know, the media generally hated him, but then they would still be relatively fair. Okay, Obama comes along, and it's just like, hey, what do we need to do to help you, you know, help you just, just be, be so popular? We need to, to get you boosted up. President Trump comes along, it's like, all right, guys, you know, we didn't expect this to happen. You know, we were expecting Hillary. It didn't happen. After, after everybody's cleaned up their tissues, picked them all up, and, and figured out that we need to move forward, let's do what we can to get rid of this president before the, before the election. Let's try to get, get him to resign. Let's try to get him arrested. Let's try to get him impeached or whatever. And if that doesn't happen, then by golly, let's make sure he doesn't get a second term. That has been their mission for the last four years, and that's why we have to stop them. That's why I get so annoyed when I see especially patriotic conservative Americans out there retweeting stories about CNN or from CNN. I don't care if, if uh, you know, you're, you're ripping on CNN for the story. Don't. Don't give them anything. Don't give them any recognition. Fine. If they did something really bad, you're going to find somebody at Red State or Daily Wire or Breitbart or the Gateway Pundit or any of the long list of independent conservative media sites out there. They're going to be talking about it. Find that. Tweet that instead. Go to NOQ Report. I'm probably talking about it over there. Let's stop, let's stop getting traffic over to New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, all of the, the, the Trump-hating rags that are out there. That's so true. It's so true, J.D. And, you know, it's, it's no matter what this president does, they'll find whatever spin uh, to make it look as, as bad as possible. I mean, you know, but if it was a Democrat, they would make it look like it was God. I mean, you know, but you can't get that anymore. And, you know, um, I'll tell you, this election and this whole voter fraud stuff ter- terrifies me. I mean, with, with what we're dealing with and what we're facing. Yeah, it does. And, and for good reason. Look, people, the, the narrative is incorrect. Okay. The narrative, and, and let me be clear most narratives coming out of mainstream media are incorrect. But this narrative in particular 
This one is right. exceptionally devious because the president's right. not saying he's against absentee ballots. He's not saying that people shouldn't be allowed to vote. He's saying that everybody right. who is an American citizen who is, who is qualified based upon their citizenship and based upon their status, if they are able to vote, they should be allowed to vote any way they choose. He's okay with that. What he's pushing against is this ubiquitous push for mail-in ballots to be the only way, and he knows, okay, he knows, and we should know that, and they know, the left knows that, if you have mail-in ballots you know, that are mailed directly to you no matter what, everybody's got this option, that there's going to be voter fraud. There's 100% certainty that there will be voter so fraud. Perfect. I saw a tweet the other day. So there was a beautiful yeah. tweet the other day. There's, this guy's like – this guy tweeted out um, – he said – he said, uh, you know, after being a lifelong, lifetime Republican, um, my, uh, my father finally, you know, he, this coming election, he's finally going to be voting for Democrats. Um, right. You know, it's a shame because he died 20 years ago. Hey, hey J- J.D., J.D., I want, J.D., you got to go to a quick commercial. Uh, stay with us. I, J.D., I, I love your insight, man. Let's definitely get you on here on a weekly basis. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can find you. I'm going to come right back. But the plugs are up. Easiest way. Yeah, good. Just, just find me on Twitter, Twitter at JD Rucker, and uh, check out freedomfirstnetwork.com. That's where we're getting all the shows, including I hope everybody noted that Rory said he did commit that he's going to be on the freedomfirstnetwork.com. I heard it. You guys heard it live. It's, it's a done deal. I'll talk to you later about that. Absolutely. Stay with us. Go into commercial, and I'd love to be, and I'm excited for it. Uh, this is a beautiful night on the Rory Satter Show, everybody. We will be right back. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit the TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have 
any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it 25 countries on 70 online platforms. It's a beautiful night coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. I do want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us right now. We have business mogul and speaker, Matt Sweetwood. Matt, how are you? Welcome back. Hey, Rory. It is good to be here. How are you doing? I need to ask you a question, though. It's an important question before I come on. You didn't take cocaine before you came on the show. You're not a junkie or anything like that, right? No, no, absolutely. Everybody asks me that. I'm just an energizer bunny, man. I mean, I was born... (laughs) with all this, like, extra electricity flowing through my body. And it's like, I'll tell you what, man, it's like a robot. I'll tell you what, I need, I need downers to calm me down at night. I mean, I, I have way too much adrenaline going. So definitely no cocaine. That's the last thing I need. But uh, <laughs> that is funny, though. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I don't blame you for asking. There's been a lot of people that wonder. <laughs> You know, and, you know, the funny thing is, you know, that's, uh, I think, Joe Biden's biggest gap of the week until he opened his mouth again today and sort of insinuated that all African-American people were homogeneous. So um, I, th- <laughs> I figure I should be asking every show I'm on, I should ask the host, you know, the same thing. Are they a junkie or something like that? Isn't he incredible? He's amazing. Oh, j- j- oh, Matt, it's the funniest thing on earth. Just when you thought he couldn't get any worse, it's just, I mean, it's like this guy's a broken record. But you know what? Imagine if Trump said something like that. Imagine if Trump made the statement that all black people are alike and Hispanics are, I mean, I mean can you imagine? Well, they think that there's so much cognitive dissonance going on. Probably half of the left, so when they hear Biden say it, they think they hear Trump say it. And then they'll go out and, and post it all over social media like they think it's true. People are so messed up. They're so brainwashed. You know, my favorite term, cognitive dissonance, is just all over the place. And how we overcome that as a people really is actually a huge issue because when people are brainwashed, they can't hear the truth. And you see that going on. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And I mean, I- I wake up every day, and just when I thought I've seen it all, it's like whether it's with Biden, whether it's with Pelosi, whether it's with any of these idiots on the left. I mean, I mean they, they really are – I mean, this is like a movie. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. I feel like we're, we're, we're dealing with 
little preschoolers. I mean, this is like amateur hour. I mean, when you try to argue with a leftist, you notice like their eyes kind of glaze over and they just start spewing the same things over and over again. They can't hear you. It's, you know, I don't know if it's uh, if it's programming or whatever it is. And that's why these people on the left feel like they can say anything. I think they've done an amazing job of taking their following and making it so their following don't think about anything they're doing. They just follow like robots. It's brainwashing. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And, and you know, obviously, it, I can't even believe that, you know, that they're taking this guy seriously, uh, Biden. And uh, really, I mean, couldn't they have came up, you know, gotten anyone else? I mean, it's like this is their only <laughs> – I mean, it, it, it's just like it's denting and and forever scarring uh, their situation. I mean, you, this well, guy. I'm not convinced that he's going to make it across the finish line, and I'm not convinced that that is an intentional. Yeah, me neither. I talked about this earlier in my show. I think they're going to replace him, possibly. Yeah, well, after the Trump, after the Trump campaign spends a few hundred million dollars attacking him, they're going to then just yeah. replace him after the money is spent. That's, you know, that's, they don't feel like they can, they're trying to do everything they can to win this election from mail-in voting to, you know, avoiding debates, keeping, keeping Biden in there, controlling the press, doing, I mean, they're trying everything they can do because they can't win it straight. You know that they can't win it off the facts. So if you can't win it off the facts, this is a squeeze for power. And there would people die, no matter what happens, they're going to make it happen. No, absolutely. You're you're 100% right. And, and Matt, I want I want to talk to you about some of the stuff you're doing because uh, you're you're a very popular uh, guy. You you've lived uh, quite the life, uh, very successful in business. Uh, what are some of your latest projects? Uh, well, you know, I'm running Lux now. Now we're a luxury uh, <laughs> to get off of politics. We're a luxury marketplace for autos, homes, and yachts. You think like Airbnb for luxury, and you know yeah. we're working it here even through this. COVID time, because obviously travel's been uh, a really rough time. But you know, on the political side, I'm out there talking the talk. I have pretty big following, you know, I have big Twitter following, I have big Facebook hey, you got, following. You got and I almost got 200,000 followers. You're pretty big on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I use it very, very carefully. But, you know, I try to be very particular, not just to keep pounding out there. But I always say... One of the coolest things I ever did, you know, you had a man on before, and he was talking about men's rights. And my book, Leader of the Pack, is all about men's rights. It's about what I had to fight through in New Jersey, which is about as anti-man as it gets. And I ended up actually in New Jersey with a Supreme Court case, a Second Amendment Supreme Court case. They tried to use me as a test case. I fought them for years and years and beat New Jersey in the Supreme Court, New Jersey Supreme Court on a Second Amendment case, actually struck down a law they had there. So for me, <laughs> I did the fight there, and there's no harder venue to do that. Cause, and if you don't think that when the government comes after you and they want to take your guns, they're not going to take your guns, it is definitely going to happen. And they tried everything they could do to do it to me and then use me to take guns from other people. So beware, everybody out there. Those leftists get in, your guns are gone. Oh, it's, it's 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 absolutely mind blowing, and you're down in Florida. And speaking of the the doctor that was on before, Doctor Collins, I'll definitely link you guys up and and put you guys in contact with each other because you guys live in the same state. But uh, but yeah, I'll tell you, um, 
you know, just the, just the culture wars we're dealing with. I mean, whatever it may be, whether it's religion, whether it's sexual orientation, whether it's race, I mean, you've got all these people in different boxes and, uh, you know, h- however many victims the left can create, the more powerful it seems like they can become. Well, I think we know Obama started this, you know, this divisive politics, identity politics, and they've now taken yeah. it to new levels. And it's all about, I think I said this last time I was on, it's all about causing pain. They want to cause as much pain and as much difficulty in society as possible to make people as unhappy as possible. And that's kind of the way they go about it. It's just very cruel and it's very evil. And, you know, in the end, I don't believe that evil wins in the end. I believe that good will always triumph over that. But you got to fight the fight in order to make it happen. I agree. I agree, Matt. I agree 100%. And, Matt. and you know, w- w- one of the reasons why I moved to Florida is that, you know, I was in New York and New Jersey almost my whole life. I couldn't take it there anymore. It's just a, no, almost yeah. an impossible place to live. You can't speak your mind. You can't do anything. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean what, what were they taxing you? Probably a shitload, and you probably hated the politics. I mean, it goes on and on. There's so many different, uh, you know, there's so many different reasons why you left. I mean, just like why so many other people are leaving and running away from those areas. You know, it's funny. I've, I've written some articles, you know, on dating in New York. You know, I was single back then and dating in New York. And people, like, you would go on these Internet sites and people would, like, women would put on their thing, no Trump supporters. They'll be, <laughs> they don't care whether you're an honest guy, a good guy, you're wealthy, anything. No Trump supporters. And actually I wrote an article where I, I took screenshots of, like, 20 different women that would write that. That was their number one criterion, and that's why they're, you know, single and in New York and they run with picket signs up and down because they're angry and all of those things. So you have to live through all of that there. And, you know, you're paying crazy taxes over 50%. The subway is not safe. The rents are through the roof. It's dirty. The people smoking pot on the street. I just had enough. And now I am in Florida. You know, you can speak your mind down here. You can carry a weapon, which I do all the time. You know, I want, I'm going to defend myself. And, you know, it's just so much a better place. And that's why New York is emptying to Florida. They're losing people. Didn't Cuomo go on today and beg people to come back to New York? It's kind of funny, actually. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He, he, wants, he wants to buy them a cocktail. He wants, he's begging them to come back. He'll buy them a meal. Oh, uh, well, Cuomo, you're, you, you're a – I mean, Cuomo's probably one of the biggest morons I've ever seen. And, I mean, just the fact that he would allow, uh, you know, one of the most popular cities – actually, the most popular city – in America to, you know, sink to the ground, disgraceful. And that mayor, Big Bird de Blasio, de Blasio is, is a, just a, a jerk-off, perhaps the worst Well, I mean, he's a, any- he's a Marxist, he's a communist, and Cuomo is an ideologue, you know, and he oh, allowed yeah. things to happen that are just terrible. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know how he's getting away with what he allowed to have happen in the nursing homes. I mean, so oh, many he- people died because of that- his politics. And his decision is just unconscious. It's evil. It's actually Matt, evil. It's Matt, it really is. Uh, Matt, uh, I'm going to get you back on next week. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can find you. Stay with us. We lo- still got a little more left in the show. But uh, where can everybody get involved? I'm easy. M. Sweetwood at M. Sweetwood on Twitter or M. Sweetwood.com is my website. Reach out to me. I always like uh, hearing from people. Love being on your show, Rory. Thanks for having me. Well, I love Come back next week, okay? Will do.
Absolutely. I want to welcome to the show uh, political consultant and political operative uh, Corey Jones. Corey, I want to save the best for last. My friend, how are you? I know you have a lot on your mind. Well, uh, you know, I, I think you've had some pretty good guests on tonight, so um, that's, that's quite an honor that you would say that. I, I don't I don't quite agree with that characterization in light of many of the, uh, you know, great heroes, like a, a former military member and also some, uh, you know, congressional candidates that you had on prior to me. But, hey, I, I'll, uh, I'll take the compliment. So um, it's good to have you back, though. I mean, I saw that you were, you know, traveling the nation. I mean, you stopped about everywhere except for, you know, the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, where I'm from. So, I, yeah, I didn't go, and that's the thing. I didn't go through Dallas. The only place I went through was Houston. I thought I was going to go through Dallas, and if I was, I would have definitely came to see you. Uh, but unfortunately, I only went through Houston, which I think is probably like three hours from you, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, one thing about Houston is that people from Dallas generally, um, you know, stay away from Houston because Houston is uh, Houston's just a little, Dangerous. you know, nasty. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the crime rate's a little bit higher as well. Uh, you know, it, it's a little bit more left-leaning, too. Um, yeah. And uh, well, most most big cities in Texas are, um, but yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened the past couple of weeks, and a lot of stuff that you've covered. Um, I mean, I pay attention to um, somewhat obscure stories that a lot of people in the mainstream media don't necessarily pay attention to. And um, you know, one one of the things that I've noticed actually over the past couple of uh, weeks or months, rather, since the George Floyd riots began, is that I mean, and I think a lot of people, excuse me. Sorry about that. I think a lot of people have seen this in some way or another, but I don't think certain individuals, especially conservatives, really have a, uh, an understanding of how deep this problem, in it, it, this problem is. And what I'm referring to is the um, corporate endorsement of Black Lives Matter and what that really looks like. I mean, we've seen pretty much every single major corporation in this country donate millions and tens of millions of dollars in some cases to Black Lives Matter, the organization. And, um, you know, they poured money into these causes, and it's just quite interesting to see. But it, it goes a little bit deeper than that, and something that I've noticed the past couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if many of your viewers know this, and many, many people don't know this, but the vast majority of major corporations and S&P 500 companies, and over half, I think around 60 to 70%, and maybe even more actually, have chief diversity officers. And basically, the main goal and the main motive of chief diversity officers is to well-diversify the workplace of that said corporation. Now, these chief diversity officers, um, you know, obviously, uh, in the political climate that we have, they're, you know, whenever we talk about diversifying the workplace, we're not talking about diversifying the workplace with, you know, more conservatives or more Christians or more, you know, white people for that matter. Um, you know, it's generally it's, in, in every single case, it's it's persons of color. And um, that's something that's quite interesting because we've seen over the past couple of months, especially in light of COVID layoffs, there have been corporations that have actually made an effort to lay off uh, uh, whites in order to diversify their workforce. And in fact, um, Chevron actually released a um, a report a couple of weeks back, and this was quite shocking. So Chevron had a lot of uh, uh, layoffs in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm not sure exactly how many people that they laid off. It was uh, hundreds, if not a couple thousand. And so what Chevron did is that they tried to frame these layoffs in a positive light. They released a report, and um, you know this was actually reported by Reuters. 
that Chevron has improved their diversity ratio in light of all the layoffs. So let me ask you this question. How do you think one diversifies a workplace to the layoff? Well, here's the answer to that. They, hide, they, they only fire white people. That's essentially the only thing that they do. And so Chevron has decided instead of you know, mourning that they're actually you know, firing all these individuals who have families at home, um, you know, who have to make a living for themselves and for other people around them in their lives, instead of mourning for those individuals, instead of you know, solemnly releasing this report, they're actually celebrating that they're actually you know, in the midst of these COVID-19 layoffs. They're celebrating the diversification of their workforce. And we also have uh, recently there was a, a memo uh, sent by a, a workers' union at the New York Times. And the New York Times, much like every single major corporation, releases annual or biannual uh, diversity reports. And so this hey, – cool. um, Corey, yeah. Corey, I love everything you're saying. i got about one minute left, though, until I have to wrap it up. But keep going. Sure. So, so basically the gist of this memo is that um, the, uh, the union is making a demand that the New York Times basically diversify their workforce to 60% non-white. And the same thing is happening with uh, NBC, for instance. Uh, yeah, NBC Universal Studio, actually, the, the news group chairman actually wants a 50% workforce by the year 2021. And so in light of all of these George Floyd protests, in light of all of these riots, we're seeing really not just a, a movement that's quote unquote in favor of black lives. We're seeing a movement that's largely anti-white. And I think it's in the speed. Oh. Um, and I don't think that that's something that I should be celebrating as, as no, someone Corey, that's white and American, much less an American. I, no, I agree. I agree 100%. I, I do. I do got to close the show though, but no, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. Uh, it's, it's out of control. Uh, Corey, tell everybody where they can connect with you. Yeah, you can find me at uh, you know on Instagram at real Corey jo- Excuse me, real Corey Jones, and then on Twitter at the Corey, and then you spell my name C O R E Y. So, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, by the way, I'm about to call you in a little bit here. I got to talk to you about some stuff, and we're gonna get you back on next week. I'm gonna get you on sure. first because there's a lot I want to go over with you. Um, this show has just been crazy tonight. Um, everybody, I um, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Um, it's been a remarkable episode. Um, God bless all my co-hosts, my, God bless all my co-hosts, my guests, my sponsors and audience. I will see you all next week. Have, have a fabulous weekend. Until then, I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.